but not broken. With host Patrick Scroggins. As a U.S. Army attack helicopter pilot deployed in Iraq, Patrick faced a devastating crash, which resulted in him dying, losing a leg, and a slew of broken bones. Patrick's story of rehabilitation has helped others to overcome their own obstacles. Each week, Patrick recounts stories of inspiration and interviews guests who have overcome remarkable obstacles. This is Wounded But Not Broken with your host, Patrick Scroggins. Welcome to Wounded But Not Broken on this Monday night. I uh, hope everybody had a good Monday and got through the day. It's the hardest day of the week for most people. And I uh, hope you're ready to listen to a great story that we have tonight. Um, you know, this, this story is uh, very compelling, very powerful. Uh, this gentleman that I have online with me is, uh, you know, he's a hero in, in, in every aspect, just like every, every wounded veteran I've had on here. Um, you know, these guys are willing to sign that dotted line and do what so many others won't do. And, you know, that's what makes our country special. That's what stand us, stands us apart from everybody else is we have a full volunteer military. And these guys put themselves in harm's way. Guys and gals put themselves in harm's way to, for, for, to protect our freedoms and, and our way of life. And, you know, however many times that, that gets encroached upon, um, it is right now in this current time. And it's, it's sad, but you know what? Uh, I can always go to sleep at night knowing that there's gentlemen like I have on the line with me tonight defending our freedoms. And tonight I have uh, Zach Stinson on the line, a.k.a. Nubs. And uh, so, Zach, uh, why don't you start in telling us your story, my man? Oh, well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm Zach Stinson. Uh, I'm living in Pennsylvania currently. Uh, I went to – I live in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. I grew up here. Um, joined the Marine Corps right out of high school. Um, so I graduated in 07. And then from there, I was in boot camp like a month later. So July of 2007, graduated boot camp in October of 2007. Uh, was security forces with, uh, as a secondary billet with infantry being my primary. Um, so I went through all the infantry schools and everything like that, uh, early on and then eventually I picked my first duty station as uh Banger Washington. So we were guarding nukes up there and I spent the first two years of my career up there. Um which was it was fine. I'm not my favorite place. Um but we made it work. Uh got through it, got to go to some cool schools while I was over there. And then uh uh, eventually PCS'd from Washington and got transferred over to Lejeune. Uh, that was in April of 2010. And then uh, was supposed to go to 3-9. And uh, all my paperwork said 3-9, you're going to 3-9, da, da, da. And then for my final step of check-in, uh, they actually changed me to go to 2nd Battalion, 9th Marines. So I went from deploying what I thought was going to be in January of 2011. Instead, I got bumped up, and we were uh, go, going to relieve 3-6 in Marja, Afghanistan uh, in July of 2010. So, <clears throat> like, my first field op with 2-9 was uh, Mojave Vipers, like, pre-deployment, freaking workup and everything. Um but it worked out real well. Uh, I actually went uh, advanced party to Afghanistan. Um, I was a team leader whenever I got there. Um, so I was in charge of three other guys. Uh, I patrolled, we patrolled Marja, Afghanistan uh, for about a month, uh, mainly doing like census data, clearing the area, getting a lot of little like firefights, kickups here and there. Uh, nothing too crazy. Uh, we had a few IED attacks, honestly, not too much. Um, we were getting, our main threat when we were there was, uh, just getting shot. Um, like we, cause that time in Afghanistan, three, five was getting like lit up with IEDs. Like they were finding like three or four IEDs a day where we would just get shot at like three or four times a day. Um, right. Hey, so real quick on, on, uh, 
you know, when, when you got in that first firefight, I'm sure, you know, everybody remembers that first one. Can you describe it? Do you remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, we were actually, uh, RTB returning to base and, uh, walking through an open field straddling. We're right next to a canal, uh, started getting shot at and everybody just jumped in the canal and we probably wasted 80% of our ammo shooting into the tree line. Uh, but it was, a it was a good welcome to country kind of thing. Um, and then we got better and better as, as the time went, it was, it was a little nerve wracking. I think we were all kind of on edge on how we would actually respond because everybody talks a big game, but until you're actually shot at, you don't know what you're actually going to do. It's that fight or flight thing. Um, but no, everybody did well. We, we got back and then ended up, uh, and then that was just the first of many, honestly, we got into some pretty crazy stuff, uh, closer to like whenever I got injured, um, we set up a BCP and we're, we're sitting there for like an hour, uh, no vehicles come by the checkpoint. And then whenever we start to pick up, like it just, they, they were everywhere. It seemed like we were just getting freaking, uh, hammered. Uh, we ended up kicking down a door, taking cover inside one of the compounds, and then uh and then fighting our way out of there and then uh at least for all that we encountered in Afghanistan as soon as as soon as you drop mortars and establish uh fire superiority they would just break contact and just bounce um right and for that one, so, yeah for that one we we did find like that was the one time we did find like firing actual firing positions like they didn't even have time to pick up their brass yeah. So uh, just to take it back a little bit. So when when you were deciding to go in to serve the country, what 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 caused you to to join the Marine Corps to be a Marine? What what drew what drew you to the Marine Corps? I liked working out. That that was really it. Uh, uh, we had a uh, uh, our local recruiter would get together once a week with all the Marine police, and we'd do a bunch of like we'd run, pull ups, sit ups, whatever. It was just basically uh, a, a sleigh fest for hour and a half, two hours on Thursday nights. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I got in tight with a lot of those guys. I liked the camaraderie and uh, everything that the recruiter was saying. So I started doing that. I think I was a sophomore. And so uh, after my junior year, I got into the delayed entry program and uh, got my job and got my date and went through my senior year of high school and uh, yeah, went, graduated and went to boot camp. Gotcha. Yeah, sorry to sorry to get off topic there. I was just curious. I like to ask all the different service members why they picked that particular branch of service. But uh, yeah, so you know, in Afghanistan, um, you what year what year was that when you went over there? Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Gotcha. So I'm I'm sure that it was uh, at that time it was pretty pretty hot. Right. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, extremely busy. Three six had gone through. Well, three six and one six had gone through and uh, cleared Marja. We had pushed through, and then uh, we were in the technically the the build phase. Where was it cleared old build? Um, but we still didn't have any of the census data, or and we were still getting uh, shot at constantly. So it didn't really feel like it was even cleared at that point. But, uh, yeah, we just kept doing our jobs, and we got tasked with figuring out the local populace, getting names, uh, taking pictures, and just kind of trying to help where we could. Um, And I I thought we did a halfway decent job of it. Um, Yeah, we – what? I was there – I was there as a team leader for a month, and then uh, my platoon sergeant, platoon commander, came to me uh, a month after we'd been there and told me they wanted to form four squads and that they wanted me to be tasked with the new squad, uh, being the squad leader. So uh, I said yes. I didn't know I could turn it down. I found out later that that was an option. I wasn't. I wasn't their first. Choice. I was actually their second, but the the first guy had actually turned it down. Um, so, yeah. So I, we kind of 
we called ourselves the black sheep because uh, we were just thrown together in the middle of a deployment. Um, but we worked really well with each other, and I had a lot of good guys in that squad. Um, yeah, and, and so, yeah, so, what was so you, for three months. What was your duty there? You were like route reconnaissance, or you were just patrolling, or uh, well, yeah, what, what was, was your mission? It, well, the main thing was uh, we were trying to get census data on everything. I tried getting missions, uh, like finding missions kind of thing, um, because – Personally, I really hated contact patrols. Um, I hated telling my guys, hey, our only mission is to just go get shot at because it just seems – I, I know it's an actual patrol, but it's not what I wanted to tell my guys after we had been there for so long getting shot at all the time. So I liked actually coming up with, okay, we're going to go recon this area. We're going to go take pictures of whoever is in here. I, I find stuff to do. Um, which, I mean, we were still pretty new there, so it wasn't that hard. Um, and we still got shot at plenty of times from it. Uh, so yeah, we did that for three months. Uh, and then on November 9th, 2010, uh, we got shot at from a village that was probably about 1500 meters from the PB. We'd always get shot at from it. We had it cleared for HIMARS, so we took contact. Uh, we dropped the HIMARS, uh, and then we had to go do a BDA. Uh, and my squad was on QRF, or yeah, QRF. So we got tasked with doing the BDA. So uh, I took my guys, and we we went over to the the village, and there, there was a wall that ran north to south the entire length of the village. And, uh, yeah, I stopped my point, man, probably, I don't know, 20 yards before actually getting to that wall. Um, and I jumped at first and then I took a few more steps. I was probably 10 to 15 yards on the other side. And I still remember, I mean, I stepped down with my left leg and it was just like a pogo stick, just boom, um, in the air. Uh, and then I landed and all I could see were, were my hand. I was like in like a diamond push-up position, but uh, in my helmet was kind of propping me up. I couldn't move, but uh, so I could just look at my hands and uh, my ears were ringing and dust is everywhere. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, I knew I knew I got blown up. I just didn't know to the extent of how bad it was. Um, I heard the my my guys came up they ran up to the wall and uh i heard i don't know who it was i heard one of them say he's dead and i screamed back i'm not dead i just can't move They're like oh crap so they jump over the wall they get to <laughs> me and then start working on me man and uh now yeah they uh they got they got to me and started taking care of me um we uh i said a quick prayer uh ask god for forgiveness and i told my one team leader i said uh uh tell my wife i love her and i'm sorry i'm not gonna make it home because i thought i was dead uh i didn't think coming home an amputee or anything less than whole was even an option um so yeah we they started working on me uh they called up the nine line i'm kind of just chilling um we get shot we started taking contact again so they picked me up and put me on the other side of the wall and now they're returning fire um and this extends the the medevac because from what i understood uh talking with people later uh the medevac actually came without an escort uh initially but whenever we started receiving contact then i had to go back and pick up an escort and come uh come back so it was like a 45 minute wait to get me on the bird um and in that time like everything went there was one time when everything went really really white i thought i was gonna like white out basically um it never actually happened i got everything went real white and then all of a sudden just shot back to color um and then after that i was just kind of chilling and trying not to freak out i again uh really just thought i was dead and that's what waiting to die honestly um so they uh, they got me taken care of uh, with the best corpsman on the entire battalion. He was fantastic. Uh, he got me all wrapped up and got me on the bird. 
I never lost consciousness. And then from there, uh, I'm like I said, I'm still the entire time I'm talking to people like, okay, what, what are the extent of the injuries? And I knew it was bad because no one would actually tell me that. Like I'd ask them like, do I have my legs? And they would yeah. just be like, oh no, you're fine, you're fine. So uh, yeah, so yeah, Zach, real quick, we'll 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 touch on your injuries and we'll pick up there. But right now we're going to take a word from our sponsors and we'll be right back. So stay tuned yeah. to hear uh, to hear the rest of this story. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. Like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the state with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Broadcast Network for over 19 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution has been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. CBN, Veterans Broadcast Network, brings you Wounded But Not Broken, hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible. Welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We're here with Zach Stinson, and he's been telling his story. And I just want to go over, you know, he he hadn't really went into detail about his injuries yet, but that's this is uh, for him telling that story and be laying there for 45 minutes with as bad as he was injured and to still be here to tell this story is pretty damn amazing. And uh, what's even more amazing is his attitude and what he's accomplished and what he's going to continue to accomplish, which we'll get into later. But uh, Zach, you want to, you want to pick up where you left off there, my man? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So uh, laying there and just trying to get some answers uh, and no one would give them to me. So I knew it was bad. Uh, they put me on the medevac. Uh, I'm talking to the guy uh, that's back there with me. He's not, really answer me and obviously because he's doing a different job completely um we land at i believe it was bagram um and they put me on a uh the thing i was a stretcher or whatever the bed basically to wheel me into the or um and cover me up with a mask and next thing i know i wake up in the Maryland six days later so uh, in that time, I spent, I don't know how many days at Bagram. Then they flew me to Bastion, um, another m- medical facility in Afghanistan. And then uh, from there, I went to Germany. Uh, I spent a few days there. And then uh, from Germany, uh flew home. Um, and then they took me out of the in- a coma. And then that's kind of where I slowly started coming back. 
Uh, it took a while um, just because of the meds and everything else that was kind of just happening. Uh, just coming out of the haze took a while. Heck, I mean, at, at, at times it feels like I'm still <laughs> recovering and getting better day by day. So, um, but yeah, the the final tally or the total by the time everything was done is I ended up with uh, two adult. Uh, double above the knee amputations. Uh, my my left leg is probably a few inches above the knee. My right leg, I only have about like seven inches of femur. Um, and I just got lucky with that because they were actually going to try to take uh, more of that later on. Um, but I just got really fortunate. Uh, amputations to my fingers. I have half a thumb on my left hand. Um, and my ring finger also is amputated at the first joint. Uh, my right hand, I'm missing. I don't have my thumb. And then uh, my middle finger of my right hand is cut at the second joint. Um, and then there's just like some other like slight uh, joint issues with my right hand. It got hit pretty hard. Uh, internally, I had a uh, smashed pelvis. Um, so they had to completely reconstruct that. Um, I had, I woke up with a colostomy bag. I don't know necessarily like if there was a lot of damage to my intestines or anything like that. Um, I do have a screw on my tailbone. Uh, my right eardrum blew off and I think that's it. Uh, (laughs) but yeah, (laughs) just, just, just a little bit here and there. Um, but uh, no, yeah, and that's kind of whenever the the whole process starts at the hospital. Man, I spent two years of my life at the hospital, one year total, just between going back for surgeries and stuff like that. I spent a year as an inpatient, a year as an outpatient. Um, I got injured November ninth, two thousand ten, and I don't think I didn't get released from inpatient until March. I think it was. 25th of 2011 and that only reason I know that is because my daughter was born on March 24th and whenever you you have a story about that right don't you have a a funny story about when your daughter was born uh well that was we got really lucky with that man like uh like I had never I had never gone like on any trips or anything um like we didn't have a van like we're still we had a jeep that we didn't even drive around dc so i was in a power chair thing weighs like 350 pounds i think um and so we had no like our our birthing plan was kind of screwed up because we were at the old walter reed in dc and the baby was my daughter was coming and we were going to have her in bethesda uh at a completely different hospital so we ended up uh, – actually, my wife made friends with this one lady um, like that day uh, who had a van because her son was also in a power chair. But she actually had a van to, to travel. So she said, hey, if uh, you ever want to go out or do whatever, like just give me a call and you can use the van. Well, yeah, so I actually – I had a bad day at the hospital, and so I just left. I was freaking ticked. Um, went to – we were staying at a hotel room basically at the Malone house, and uh, yeah, I went there, and then my wife's water broke, and she we were like, we need to freaking get over there. So it, it all worked out, but uh, yeah, it was just – it was pretty lucky that everything just lined up the way it was supposed to. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I thought, uh, yeah, that's, well, it's awesome that you were able to be there. Um, so how, you know, once, once all this happened, I mean, how, how it, you're, it had to take a tremendous toll on your wife. I mean, what, uh, you know, what, what do you think she was going through and how do you think, you know, did it, did it bring you all closer together? Cause she, she now assumes responsibility for you, right? I mean, she's got to take care of you. Oh yeah. 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 Um, not, uh, I've been extremely fortunate, uh, honestly, uh, to have such a, a amazing woman uh, by my side. Uh, I mean, because we got married. Uh, she was a senior when we were engaged. We got married right out of high school. Same thing. Um, we weren't even married a year whenever I got injured. 
we spent our one year anniversary actually in the hospital. And then, uh, but I was also, I was super paranoid when I was at the hospital and, uh, it was, so her and my mom would take turns, like alternate staying in my, my hospital room. Cause I, I thought I was going to like die in my sleep basically. And I was so paranoid about it. Um, so my wife is four months pregnant at the time and she's sleeping in a chair in the corner of my room. Um, and they didn't have any extra beds at the hospital anyway, cause everything was so busy, but, uh, yeah, she's just a freaking trooper. And then it's, it's been that way like throughout. I mean, I, I couldn't ask for a better partner, man. Uh, just between no, that you, and you, then... you could, I mean, I've met, I've met your family. You have a wonderful family. Your wife's awesome. And, um, yeah, you're, you're a lucky man. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, now she's running, she is, uh, my manager and then not, not basically a super mom as well with, uh, being at the kids' school three, at least three days a week. Um, but yeah, so we, we kind of just had to, to learn on what the new normal was though, uh, for all that. I, like I, I tell people all the time is there's no how to guide to getting blown up. So we were learning everything, uh, very slowly and just kind of dealing with what the new normal was. Like when I got injured, we had a house that we had already bought in North Carolina. Um, we had our vehicles that I can't even drive now cause I don't have legs. Um, and our house wasn't handicap accessible. So it was just going through and figuring out how we're going to make this new normal work. Um, and, and we did, yeah. uh, and you learn that between, uh, just falling on your, your face yourself. And then between that and having other people that you can rely on and, and get details and they can kind of help you through stuff as well. And, and we did that as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah it was just a process. Right. And so let's go back a little bit to that process. So when you woke up in the hospital and you started your recovery process, I'm sure getting blown up at like that, there was some sort of TBI involved and all that stuff. But, um, what, what, what did your recovery process look like? What was your, walk me through what your attitude was once you woke up and you came, became coherent and found out how bad you were hurt and what you needed to tackle and overcome. Uh, well, so initially, so like I'm still in the, the ICU. Uh, I, I was in the ICU for two weeks. Um, and I don't exactly remember exactly what day I want to say it was like a week, a week and a half after my injury. Um, I'm still like people are telling me what I'm a double amputee every day because the meds and everything, nothing is sticking. So they would tell me like, this is what happened. I'd go to sleep, I'd wake up and then I'd have no idea why I was in a hospital room again. And then they would have to tell me everything all over again. So we did that for, for a, a few, uh, a few days. And, uh, eventually I, I kind of stuck and I, I realized like, okay, I'm an amputee. Uh, missing fingers, like this is, we're going to be in a wheelchair, this is going to be my new life, stuff like that. And uh, I started getting really angry. And uh, I just had like this this moment where I was just thinking and I realized like it, I can be completely bitter about it or I can just be happy. Like you, I, it doesn't matter. The world's going to keep spinning. It doesn't care about my attitude. I said, so if I want to at least not be completely miserable. I can have a positive attitude about everything. Look at the silver lining and then I I might have a better existence uh, in general. And then more people are even going to be one of the around me versus being just this freaking uh, grumpy man. So that's kind of where, and and I still have, and I, and I have since then, obviously everybody has bad days and stuff, but in general, I try to keep positive outlook on everything um and, and in the grand scheme of things i really can't complain at all um that was another good thing about being at the hospital like I, I remember i was having a really really bad day and i was in therapy and i was really ticked about my thumb because i really wanted a thumb I, I don't know what was going through my head that day except that i just wanted a thumb so uh yeah i'm getting all upset about that and then 
I'm in therapy, and then John Peck comes in on his wheelchair, and he jumps onto the mat next to me. And John is uh, or was uh, a quad amputee. He's since, from what I understand, gotten uh, arm transplant. But uh, so there's this guy with no arms and no legs jumping around on doing his exercises on the mat next to me. And I'm like, well, I can't freaking complain about a thumb at this point. Um, so it really put me in kind of like my place, put really put some perspective on it. And like, you know, there's right. always going to be somebody that's got something worse. Um, right. So and Zach, hold that thought for one moment and uh, everybody stay tuned. We're going to take another word from our sponsors and we're going to continue this very inspiring story when we return. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Attention, looking for semi-drivers nationwide. GTS Transportation of Burr Ridge, Illinois, is looking to hire a partner with experienced CDL holders in every state. If you are going to drive, why not drive for the best? Whether you are driving solo, as a team, or as an owner-operator, GTS is looking to add you to their rapidly growing company. Become part of one of the most respected, driver-friendly, and successful transportation companies in America, where drivers are treated as royalty. Contact us at gtscarrier.com. Again, gtscarrier.com. Or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. We would love to help you, which in turn helps everyone. GTS is an equal opportunity employer. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio Broadcast for over 15 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. CBN, Veterans Broadcast Network, brings you Wounded But Not Broken. Hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible. Welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're here with Zach, and he's uh, he's going through his story. And, Zach, I believe you uh, left off with your pissed off because you didn't have a thumb. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it, that was like I was saying, is just putting in perspective and uh, realizing that there's always somebody out there with uh, a lot rougher situation. Um, and I always tend to remember that now before getting all freaking jacked up uh, and for no apparent reason. Um, and that's, that's just kind of my thing now, honestly. I just try to have a, a better attitude about everything. And I think uh, because of it, that's why I get some of the opportunities that I get. Like I'm pretty open about everything that's happened to me. If if you have a question about something, I'll tell you the truth about it. Cause I mean, I don't really expect somebody else to know what it's like to be blown up or to go through the recovery process. Um, and then also the attitude about it. People, people have a tendency to say that I'm in, uh, what, uh, like inspiring stuff like that. I don't necessarily claim to be that but i'm i'm just me and i'm just trying to to go better like be better today than i was yesterday kind of thing and that's kind of how i attack everything and that's what's well, right right to, but but the inspiring thing comes from i mean this is your normal you don't have a choice but your well, attitude yeah. and the way the way you've tackled everything is it is it it's very inspiring i mean when you when you look at some people nowadays they, you know, they break their arm and life's over. And that, that, and that's, and that's, it's nothing against them. It's just, 
that's the biggest reason why I wanted to do this podcast is these stories of, you know, our, my brothers and sisters in arms are so inspiring because of the things that we've all overcame in our lives, much more than anybody, most people could ever fathom. And so you are a very, you inspire me. I mean, we're going to get into why in a little while, but um, yeah, man, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, don't, don't count yourself short. I know you're a humble guy and, and all that stuff, but I just had to say that. So, let me know how you got the nickname. Let me know how you got the nickname Nubs. I I don't even know, man. I just know that uh, there was a, a guy named Tyler that was at the the hospital, and we uh, our family's got along. His wife and and my wife were, were friends, and we could all just kind of get along or something. And we went to do like this event like because we they do all these events at the hospital to get you out and the combo uh keep you moving different forms of therapy and uh yeah i don't know exactly why he called me that but yeah he's he called me mcnubbins and uh i just took the the nubs portion out of it but i i still like i said i don't know where it all came from um but yeah it's it's kind of freaking crazy and yeah, yeah. I, I use it as my uh my instagram handle just to it lightens the mood kind of thing like i don't want anybody getting on it and like taking me too seriously man i i have fun with, with what i've been dealt and i look at the bright side about things um like m- one of my biggest selling points is i don't have to run anymore um don't have to do legs at the gym like you know like there's a lot of perks yeah. to all this yeah i mean you you got to learn how to have fun with it man you got to learn how to have fun with your injuries and and everything that you've been through because if not it just all gets bottled up and you know inevitably you just become bitter but uh exactly so what what was your what do you think uh you attribute your best like uh your mo- your, your biggest success so far i mean what really motivated you uh well I, you know I, there's different portions of my life uh and i i pretty much just, i feel like that's how everybody is um like i i don't know if i'll ever be as happy as i was being a squad leader in afghanistan like that was the peak of leadership for me because i felt like if you got a little bit higher you're you're obviously worried about more. Like if you go into a platoon sergeant kind of thing, you're worried about the whole platoon as a whole, and that's a lot of people and things like that. But the small unit leadership, I, I really enjoyed being a squad leader. I really enjoyed working with my guys and, and being and hitting the ground with them every single day. Um, so like that would be a, a huge accomplishment that I still look back on. But I mean, now I, as an athlete, I have my accomplishment accomplishments there that I'm very happy about. But I'd say that the biggest thing that I, I'd want to be is, is a good father and a good husband. Um, Cause at the the end of the day, that's, that's the, the tricky part. I tell everybody, man, with, especially with, with kids, uh, parenting is that it, it's the only thing you don't know if you succeeded until the end. Um, and that's what can be somewhat frustrating about it is you can think that you're doing all the right things and at the end you're still not getting a good product. Um, but yeah, that's, I just want my kids to, to know that I love them and, uh, and to just grow up to be great human beings and great people. Um, and same thing and give my wife the same respect and, and treat her with, uh, everything that she's given me through these years. So that I would say that's kind of like what I'd I'd like to say is my greatest accomplishment is just being a good husband and a good father. Yeah. What, 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 when you were going through your, your recovery process, what, what was your biggest healing aspect? What, what got you through it? What, what did you turn to, you know, like, like Uh, hunting and, and, and helping veterans and speaking. I love doing that kind of thing. I love being interactive with, with my brothers and sisters and, and trying to inspire them to get better. And, you know, for you, what, what did, what, what was your niche? Uh, well, so, uh, I really fell into athletics and, uh, and hunting. Uh, those were the, I would say the two biggest things that I kind of got out of it. Um, obviously I, I've stuck with both, uh, 
doing more of the athlete thing now as a career. Um, and then obviously just hunting whenever, uh, you can't be an athlete anymore for the year. Um, so yeah, I, I started cycling and, uh, weightlifting whenever I was at the hospital. Um, when I got blown up, I was probably, I was probably around 175. Um, when I got blown up, I went down to 110. And then, so the doctors, as soon as I could eat things, they were like, just eat whatever. We don't care what you put in, just eat. So, but no one ever told me to stop eating. So it got to a point <laughs> where I, I looked into the mirror one day and I was like, gee whiz, I'm freaking fat. And, uh, yeah. So, and then you can't lose weight like you used to because walking is off the table. And so at, at least at that point in time, because I wasn't, uh, walking very much anyway because I was having so many complications with surgeries and such. Um, so it was portion control and uh, getting back in the gym and just trying to figure out how to, to work out because again, like we, we've already discussed, like I can do it, but it's just going to, it's going to be a little bit different now. Like, so uh yeah that's that's kind of what I I jumped into. I started lifting while I was still at the hospital and then uh I got into there's a hand cycling there was a hand cycling program at the hospital on base. And so I started doing rides with those guys. Um I got linked up with uh Achilles, the Achilles Freedom team, which they are uh it's all wounded vets on the team and they do marathons. So I ended up getting signed up or, or signing up for the Marine Corps Marathon back in like 2012. It was my first uh, real marathon. Um, and I did pretty well. I think uh, I think I was like eighth overall or something for, for not really having any training or anything with it. Uh, I was really happy. I think I finished like an hour 45. Um, and so I did really well with that race. And then as soon as I finished, everybody on the team was kind of like, you should keep doing this. Like, you're really, really good, da da da, da. And actually, that kind of scared me away from the cycling aspect um, because I really enjoyed cycling, but I didn't want to uh, – I felt like they were telling me that I, if I really started doing it more and I was afraid that it was going to just turn into a job and I wouldn't care for it anymore. Um, so – I took a couple, I took like four years break off of it. Um, I'd still cycle at my house. I just wasn't doing anything competitively. And then I, out of the blue one day, I called up uh, the the coordinator for Achilles and I said I wanted to do another marathon and it was Marine Corps marathon in 2016. Um, I did even better. I think I got like sixth that year. Um and then this time I was like, okay, well, I'm going to stick with it. And so I did Boston in 2017. I did the Detroit Marathon, Chicago Marathon. Um, I don't even – honestly, I really have no idea where, what number I'm at on marathons. I would probably say I guess I'm at like maybe 12 or 13. Um, but, yeah, it's, I've done Boston. I think I'm, uh, I'll be – I've done Boston three or four times. Um, Marine Corps, probably more like six. Uh, Detroit, I've done twice. And then uh, I think Chicago was only once. Um, but, yeah, it's, it kind of snowballed after that because I really enjoyed cycling. And I would train for cycling events with uh, another uh, retired Marine officer around my house. And he was doing triathlons. And so he was telling me about doing all these triathlons and I was like, you're freaking nuts because it, it, he was doing Ironmans and uh, I was like, those distances are ridiculous. Well, uh, I just got into my head that that's what I wanted to do for my 30th birthday. So uh, I found a race. I still remember it was the day after, I think it was the day after Christmas uh, in it would have been 2018 at that time. Um, and I signed up for Ironman Lake Placid. It was, it was close to my birthday. Um, it was close to home. Uh, I think it was like a six hour drive or eight hour drive north for me. Um, but I was like, okay, we can make it happen. I never swam. 
And for a wheelchair athlete in a triathlon, the running portion is also done in a racing wheelchair. Well, I didn't even have a racing wheelchair, but I was like, I'll figure all that stuff later down the road. I mean, I have the bike. That's the big thing. So I signed up, and then I immediately went to the pool and tried swimming a mile. And it took me like an hour to swim one mile. I was like, this isn't going to work. So we got to figure out a way to get faster. Um, because I think the, the cutoff for the swim was like two hours, 20 minutes or something. And uh, I had never swam without legs. So I was starting from, from square one, and it was just kind of falling on my face and figuring out how to get a little bit faster here or there. Right. Um, yeah. And Zach, real quick, we're going to take one last commercial break here from word from our sponsors. Everybody stay tuned and let's hear how Zach went through and accomplished this uh, goal that he had. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. Like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the state with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again. 847-754-4667. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Broadcast Network for over 19 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution has been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. CBN, Veterans Broadcast Network, brings you Wounded But Not Broken, hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible. Welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm going to let Zach jump right back into this so we can fit all this in. But hey, Zach, real quick, can you explain like your bike, uh, what kind of bike that is and in and, and detail of, these, of, these, uh, of your equipment that you use? Yeah, so... Um... Uh, well, for obviously for the swim, it's just a uh, wetsuit or buoyancy shorts, depending on uh, water temperature for the event. Uh, my bike is a recumbent hand cycle, meaning that I'm laying down with the, the, the gearing and the pedals just basically right in front of my face or, or very close to it. Um, I have two wheels in the back and then just a singular wheel up front. Um, and then for the the push rim or the the running portion, um, it's two 700 cc discs in the rear with one 20 inch uh, uh, carbon fiber wheel up front. And then there's uh, the discs have uh, holes in it, and then a rim attaches, and it's a rubber rim. And then I make uh, gloves out of thermoplast just plastic and uh glue 
rubber onto the face of the glove as well. And so that's how I end up pushing the wheelchairs, that rubber on rubber contact. Um, yeah. And so that was, I mean, and again, going back into it, that, that was what I had to learn all this stuff by myself, especially having like, you can find some gloves, uh, online and stuff, but, uh, I've never had a lot of luck with them just because of like my finger amputations and stuff like that. I needed something more custom, uh, to me. Um, I had, to, and what I didn't know whenever I signed up for Lake Placid is that it's a very hilly course and that usually doesn't translate well to hand cyclists. Um, so I think, I think during the race, I think I went over like a little over 7,000 feet of elevation climb. Um, so for training, um, here in Pennsylvania, I would literally go up and down mountains and then turn around and come right back on these six hour rides and try to just climb as many hills and mountains and everything as I could, uh, just to get my body ready for, for this race. So, uh, it was a full Ironman. So the distances as a 2.4 mile swim, uh, I think it was a hundred and 112 mile bike and then a full marathon, 26.2 miles. So at the end of the day, it's 140.6 miles total for one day. Um, and yeah, so I did this race and, um, I did it. I mean, I finished it as far as I can tell. I think I'm the only hand cycle athlete to ever complete, uh, Lake Placid as of right now, um, which was pretty cool. Um, and I just, it kind of opened up some doors for triathlon for me. I really enjoyed it. And I like, I like the fact that you have to be good at three things instead of being really good at just one thing. Um, so it, it gave it more of a challenge for me. And, uh, yeah, so I started doing some more digging cause there wasn't, I mean, the Ironman stuff was interesting to me, but I really didn't like having to do such long distances all the time. Um, so I actually I went down to uh, sprint races, which is what I'm doing now. And those consist of a 750, usually a 750-meter swim, uh, a 20K or 12.4 miles on the bike, and then it's a, a 5K run or 3.1 miles. And... So I've been doing that for the past two years. Um, I, my first event actually just got shut down. It was right when COVID hit back, uh, last March. Um, and, I mean, it just shut every – I was in Florida getting ready for the race and just had to basically drive all the way back up to Pennsylvania and uh, just train. Um, most of the triathlons were, were uh, completely – tanked kind of thing um so i just do my own races i'd kind of just create courses around my hometown i'd go swim uh go bike and then do a run so i could still get uh like release my energy and then still work on building and training um but it worked real well and then last year all the races came back and uh we had a good year uh went to we started in Florida, we went from Florida to Texas, to Indiana, Wisconsin, uh, California, and then finished up in Portugal. And uh, so I think I did pretty good for the first half of the year, and then uh, things really came together in July for the national championship. So I won nationals last year. And then going to Portugal, um, that was a World Cup race, and I won that, um, which was pretty exciting. Uh, my first international race and uh, just kind of taking steps to try to get to Paris in 2024. <laughs> um, and it worked real well. Uh, so now we're, we're kind of back in the training mode now that hunting season's over and we're getting ready. Uh, we have another triathlon in March. Uh, and that should be the America's uh, Championship. And, uh, yeah, we're getting ready for that one and hopefully hit the ground running in 2022 um, and get more points and, and start moving up the, the leaderboard. 
That's awesome, man. I, I tell you what, that's uh, yeah. I think you, you say it. You say you're an athlete, rather uh, humbly. I, I mean, you're a world class athlete. I mean, I'll make that clear. And uh, <laughs> I think it's awesome what you're doing. So I, I assume there's a lot of uh, sponsorships and costs and all that stuff. Do you have anything set up so if anybody wanted to help, where they could go in and just donate to your cause or just to help you out for travel or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, a lot of it is uh that comes up we we chase some sponsorships and stuff. Um I actually uh created like a, a blog website. I haven't been on it pretty much since after Portugal just cuz we've been really busy with hunting. Um but you can donate through that site um and that goes towards like all my racing fun stuff. But it's also a way to just kind of keep in touch with what's happening and what we're up to kind of thing. Um Right. And it's we've we've gotten some pretty good feedback on it. I'm glad we did. It's a it's a good outlet, uh, and it it kind of explains a little bit more about the sport. You get to see like the pictures of the stuff and the equipment that I'm using, um, and and how it works for me, kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, every little bit is appreciated, and we're still chasing those sponsorships. What's the website? Uh, oh yeah, I guess that would help. Zachstensonracing uh, dot com. Zach Stinson, Zach Stinson Racing dot com. That's awesome. Um, Z- hopefully yep, we can. Yep, hopefully, hopefully some of the listeners will uh, be inspired by what you do. I know that I am, and uh, and go on and, and help in any way possible. But uh, man, I can't thank you enough uh, coming on tonight and telling that story. I mean, I don't know how anybody could listen to that and not be inspired. You're uh, you're a man that should hold your head high and and never never disregard the things that you've accomplished because you are a hero. And you are a world-class athlete. Well, thanks, brother. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. It's it's been a pleasure. And uh, you know, I just say a quick closing. You know, when you hear these stories and you hear you hear guys and soldiers that have went through what these soldiers have went through, and they say things like "can't complain" or "lucky," "fortunate." How can you not sit there and be inspired by the by the attitude that these gentlemen have? You know, the the if we could instill this attitude in our youth nowadays, we would have a lot less problems in this country. This country wouldn't be so divided. Um, you know, people won't understand and, and really honestly they can't understand what people go through that have been hurt this bad. But what you can do is you can learn from these stories. You can learn from the attitude, you can learn from the way they accomplish their goals and how they motivate themselves or how others motivate them. And that's what I hope everybody can take away from this story, because this is a truly a special story with a truly a special man. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening, all the support that we're getting for wounded, but not broken. We love doing this show. I love uh, getting these stories out to you all and uh, just stay tuned next week. We're going to have another one for you. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggins. Attention, looking for semi-drivers nationwide. GTS Transportation of Burr Ridge, Illinois, is looking to hire a partner with experienced CDL holders in every state. If you are going to drive, why not drive for the best? Whether you are driving solo, as a team, or as an owner-operator, GTS is looking to add you to their rapidly growing company. Become part of one of the most respected, driver-friendly, and successful transportation companies in America, where drivers are treated as royalty. Contact us at gtscarrier.com. Again, gtscarrier.com. Or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847 847- 754-4667. We would love to help you, which in turn helps everyone. GTS is an equal opportunity employer. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio broadcast for over 15 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985 serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. CBN, Veterans Broadcast Network, brings you Wounded But Not Broken, hosted by Patrick Scroggins.
It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible.